Ladies and gentlemen, what we're going to talk about today is transitioning veterans and how every one of us can help. This is not just a veteran issue. This is an everybody issue. Now, any transition comes with challenges. It doesn't matter what it is. It can be starting a new job, moving to a new city, completely changing your life, getting married, getting divorced. Any of those things are major transitions. But one of the most difficult transitions, and I went through it and my guest went through it, is leaving the military. Veterans often hear, thank you for your service. And while that's nice to hear, that's not what we need. What we need is a job. We need a career. And we need direction. Today, we're going to discuss how the challenges of moving from active duty to the civilian world and what we can all do to help. My guest today is Giovanni Badeo, and he served eight years in the United States Army as a patient administrative specialist. He served three overseas tours, including Afghanistan with the 101st Airborne Division. This is big time stuff, folks. His transition out of the military hit a few landmines, which we're gonna talk about a little bit. But Gio continues his life of service through workforce development, through the arts and veteran advocacy. In his professional capacity, he works as the program coordinator for professional development at California State University in Fullerton as a Veteran Resource Center. Let's meet him. Gio, welcome to Life Altering Events. Hi, thank you for having me. Gio, it's a pleasure. You and I spoke before and your story is, is just amazing. So give the, give the audience around the world a, a little bit about what your active duty experience was like. Yeah, happy to. Um, so I joined in 2002 and uh, I was in the military, the United States Army Reserves from 2002 to 2010. During that time, I was a patient administration specialist. Um, as Frank said, I was in Afghanistan for a year. I did a tour in Germany, and I was even in El Salvador uh, twice. Those were for humanitarian operations. Um, so what my job entailed was uh, being the main point of contact for all patients coming in, gathering their information, uh, getting their uh, medical information to our doctors, our nurses, letting them know what kind of treatments they may be inquiring. Uh, when I was in Afghanistan, I was also in charge of mortuary affairs. So mm -hmm. anybody who came in that was deceased or who was going to pass, that was my department. So whether it was service members, uh, civilians, women, children, that all came to me. And so as you might imagine, that left a lasting impression on me. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, throughout your military career, you have a bunch of other assigned duties or um, what I like to say opportunities. Uh, when I was in El Salvador, I got to pull teeth from uh, from from people because I asked the dentist if I can try. I was deworming and vaccinating bulls, goats, dogs and cats because I was curious. And so there's a lot of opportunities to learn in the military. And I learned pretty quickly that I don't want to be a dentist anymore, but I respect the heck out of them because I know I need to go to a dentist quite frequently myself. But it, it was great to see how it is done and have the opportunity to get some hands-on experience. That's amazing. I was a military, I was a medic in the military, dealt with the patients, and and I can, I can relate, uh, particularly with the uh, mortality issue. It's it's absolutely heartbreaking. Um, this is somebody's son, someone's daughter. And you got to get them ready to go home. It, it's terrifying. So, Gio, you got out of the military. You chose to, to get discharged. And then you go back into civilian life. And there were a couple of bumps along the way. Tell us what happened. 
yeah, it was actually a really difficult transition. Um, I always tell folks that when I was getting ready to leave Afghanistan, I had a uh, hour class. It was a PowerPoint presentation about uh, don't kick your wife, don't slap your dog and go get a job. That was my transition. <laughs> that was it. No one told me about benefits. I knew I had the GI Bill, but I mean, that's about it. That's all I knew. I didn't know about disability ratings. I didn't know that I had, could have two years of unemployment after active duty. And all this information was just never delivered to me. So I struggled. I really struggled. Um, I went and applied for managerial types of jobs that I thought, hey, you know, I ran an entire department. I was the NCOIC of my patient administration division. Why won't someone give me a managerial job? You know, why can't I run this hospital on the civilian side when I ran a combat hospital? And so it was definitely a hit to the gut, to the pride, really, because you leave the military and they tell you, hey, after this, you can get all the jobs that you want. People are going to want to hire you. You're set. And I really thought I was. But, you know, the reality is I still needed training. I needed education. I needed to humble myself and to realize the civilian world doesn't quite work the way the military world does. So how do I acclimate to this new environment? Um, but yeah, I ended up, you know, um, I think the sense of loss of, of losing your battle buddies, losing the camaraderie, um, the biggest hurdle was for me, not having a, a higher NCO telling me where to be, what to do, what to wear and how to do it. Now that's on me. I have to figure out these roles. I have to figure out how to pay rent, how to set up electricity, how to you know, do all the things that we take for granted on a day-to-day -day basis, I had to relearn all these skills because I was never taught because I never needed them. And that led to just me becoming angry, bitter. Um, I was dealing with a lot of undiagnosed PTSD and trauma. So I drank a lot. I was seeing one too many ladies, you know, and um, I ended up getting DUIs. And that, that was the beginning of that transition for me it's a it's a very difficult thing when you you come out and you've you've gotten i went through the same thing years and years of training and you ran operations but yet the, the civilian world can't see the connection and we have not and the military has done a terrible job and mm -hmm. it's getting better but they've done a terrible job in preparing us for that um, I came out of the Vietnam era and, the, and our transition was, hey, good luck. There's the bus that takes you off the base. And that was pretty much it. And then yeah. you're on your own. Go see if you can figure this out. It's definitely gotten better, like you said. But, you know, I think especially for your era and even up into mine, the information, the the handoff was never there. And I think that's what we're trying to do nowadays with different institutions. Exactly. It's amazing. So as you're going through this transition and it's not and it's not going well, what was the what was the aha moment? What was the way when the light finally went on and you said, okay, I'm gonna do this? I think that's when I was coming to in a jail cell in a drunk tank. I was wearing an orange jumpsuit and I was cuddled around this spaghetti, this this microwave plastic bowl of spaghetti. I remember trying to take a bite of it because I was hungry, but it was horrible. It tasted disgusting, but it was really hot. 
and they had that AC blasting in that jail cell. And so what I did, I, I cuddled around it for heat. You know, I think I had a little carton of milk and some bread. I threw that back and I just tried to sleep and, and stay warm with this little spaghetti box. And I started to realize, damn, this is, this is where I ended up. You know, how did I get here? And it was oddly enough, a very sobering moment. And it, I felt shame. I felt embarrassed. I'm the oldest of four. I'm big brother. So I'm supposed to be setting standards, setting the examples. And I felt so ashamed of myself that when I went to see my family the next day and I told them, I cried, I broke down. I felt like I failed my siblings. And what I told them was, I may try to show you the best things to do in life, but right now I'm showing you what not to do in life. So it was a better pill to swallow. And I had to realize, okay, I something was going wrong and I needed some help. So that that was my aha moment. That's a big one. Yeah. That is a big one. And when you're from an ethnic background, like we both are, it's not so much uh, the struggle that we're going through, but it's the family is also dealing with it. And the, and the biggest sin for ethnics is mm -hmm. shame to the family. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I'm the, like I said, big brother, you know, I can do no wrong. I went to the military. I was going to community college, you know, look, he's doing great. But I really wasn't. And oddly enough, my family would sometimes say, hey, you're a little different. But I couldn't see that. I'm still Geo. I'm still, you know, the guy who likes to joke around, who likes to, you know, play video games with the siblings and take them to the movies. Like, I'm still that guy. But there was a big part of me that was there that I wasn't able to recognize. I was angrier. I was a lot more aggressive. Um, I had very little self-control. And the discipline that I had learned in the military just went out the window. So I had changed, unfortunately, and I just couldn't recognize that. That's exactly right. So let's talk about that anger. You wrote a book, One Angry Veteran, which this book, ladies and gentlemen, is available on Amazon. Go get it. You'll understand a lot more about transitioning veterans. Tell us about this book. Why did you write it? So a lot of credit is actually going to be given to my wife. And my wife is, I would say, spiritual. And she's very much into those, you know, rah, 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 motivating events and she said, babe, would you go to, with me to this one of these events? I kind of poo-pooed it, but, you know, I guess for me, I'm my own biggest cheerleader. So, you know, looking back now, I get that folks need that. Sometimes they need that outside motivation. So we went and, you know, she got a great deal out of it. She was very motivated. She had some big plans for her life. And on her way out, I received a book from someone and the title was How to Write a Book. And the first few sentences, it says, write about what you know. Okay. I know about getting out of the military and how difficult that was for me. So I wrote a book in six months and it came very easily. I thought about all the topics and it was just pretty much reflecting on my own experience and my own transition, the ups, the downs, you know, the, the losses and the victories. And I thought to myself, if I can write this book, and maybe help other veterans with their transition. Maybe I can help just one, 
just one other individual not make the same mistakes that I did. And maybe, you know, learning what I know now, maybe I can pass on that information so they can avert some of these line, uh, these landmines and, and start improving their life sooner than later. And so I did that. And, um, Thankfully, I've gotten a few emails and responses from other veterans telling me that it's helped them, you know, and I tell I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychiatrist, you know, I'm just a guy, you know, who went through it. And if anything, I can tell you a story about what it, what I, what it was like, and hopefully you can learn something from that. I talk a lot about my traumas, you know, dealing with my PTSD, dealing with my anger, um, almost getting into fights with random people because they looked at me wrong. You know, my road rage was at its peak. And I realized it wasn't a very happy life. So I just, I want to let veterans know, look, you're not alone in going through that. A lot of us go through that. And hopefully this book can help veterans understand that there's a lot more of us that go through that. And also this is for our, our, our communities, for everyone. Because a lot of folks say, hey, I want to help veterans, but I don't know how, or I don't understand it. That's okay. Your, your job is not to understand. The fact that you're trying to learn and trying to be helpful, that means the world to us. And maybe by reading this book, you might have a better idea. Great. Then, then maybe I did something right. And, and to me, that, that's, what, that's what really matters the most. It's absolutely correct. One of the things that I learned, I worked in the Veterans Treatment Court, I was a mentor um, with the Veterans Treatment Court, is one problem that we have as veterans is we don't want to listen to anybody else. You could be a psychiatrist, you could have all this stuff, and you say, do you need to do this? And, this? and we look at them and say, well, how, how would you know? You didn't go through this. So a story by a veteran about veterans carries a tremendous amount of weight and giving them that aha moment. Mm -hmm. And then when you see the things that are happening and then the rest of the community can say, yes, we do, we do need to help them. We do need to change. And veterans are important. And we have to, we have to give them not a handout. It's not a handout. Mm -hmm. We never ask for a hand. It's a hand up. That's all. Yeah. And that's what you're doing now. So explain what you're doing, what, what the roles you have. You got a number of them at Fullerton and other things that you're doing. Tell us about that. I have a full plate for sure, but it's something I'm very passionate about. Um, so I've been in workforce development for a few years now and um, essentially helping people find job opportunities, get interview ready, help them with resumes, introduce them to different employers. And um, I ran a workforce development center a few years back and um, I wanted to kind of give back to the veteran community, work more with veterans. So now I'm over here at Cal State Fullerton. I'm a program coordinator for professional development and training. And the skills that I developed in my previous role, I bring them here now. I help veterans get job ready. I introduce them to employers. I hold career fairs. We have a big one coming up on November 15th. Um, I invite employers from all over the community, government, nonprofits, for-profit, you know, anyone who says they want to take care of a veteran, they want to help out a veteran, great. Put your money where your mouth is. Help these veterans find employment. Like you said, we don't want a handout, but we do want opportunities. Give us the opportunity to show you that we will work harder, we will work longer, and we will be more diligent than any other year staff. And now we're educated. We weren't, we're not, we were military trained. Now we're educated. We have bachelor's degrees. We have master's degrees. 
Give us the opportunity. And that's what I love. I love providing our veterans the tools to be successful. They're already doing it here. And sometimes they just need a friendly introduction. And that's it. Let me be the middleman. Let me be your advocate. So that's something that I do here at Cal State Ports that I'm very passionate about. And now on the other hat I have, uh, I work for a nonprofit. It's called uh, Arts OC, located here in Orange County. And I run a program called Voices Veteran Storytelling Project. Now, because of my passion for telling stories and writing a book, um, I was able to tell my story on stage with a few other veterans. And we tell our stories about who we were before the military, what did we do, what did we experience during the military, and then what happened afterwards? What was that transition like? And where are we today? And for every veteran, it's very unique. However, we echo one another. Our stories do echo because we have similar, similarly lived experiences. But again, they're still unique to ourselves and where we started and where we end. So that's something that I've been very passionate about as well. I help veterans tell their stories. And similar to my book, it's to let other veterans know they are not alone. And it's to help educate our communities for all the, the supporters of veterans who really want to try to understand and try to learn what that experience is like. Voices does an amazing job of helping veterans tell their stories. And we have our event coming up actually on November 11th over here in Irvine in, in, uh, in Orange County, California. Right on Veterans Day. Yes, sir. Exactly. Exactly. Gio, here's something that I went through and I, I in, in being in the uh, Veterans Treatment Court, saw quite a bit. Uh, veterans will often aren't going to go for help. They'll, they'll get help for their family, they'll get help for their children, but they won't go get help for themselves. And I hear this all the time. I'll figure it out. I'll, ma I'll make it work. How do you show them and, and tell them that asking for help is not weakness? Definitely. I always like to preface with that. You don't know what you don't know. And a lot of times just educating the veteran about the resources, the benefits that are available to them, they start to get an eyebrow raised like, oh, really? I did not know I had access to that. And it's really drilling at home. Um, our veteran community, we can be a little stubborn, right? Yes. And I think sometimes it takes another veteran to talk a little tougher, to be a little bit more direct, to let them know, look, you need to do this for your benefit. And what I also do is, look, don't just think about you, but what about your family? We all age, we get older, and the repercussions of serving in the military start to show. You know, we're not as faster. Sometimes our thinking isn't as straight. And so we start to develop all these issues that we never had looked at, we never had documented. And so now, if you're going to be 50 years old, now you have all these issues, but you never had it addressed. Now it's a burden on your family. So... I really try to drive that point home. Um, what I also do is, you know, I, I've gone through a lot of this and I've used a lot of resources. I use myself as an example. You know, these are the benefits that I use. This is the disability rating that I have. This is how I got my education paid for. This is how I'm getting my master's paid for. So you start showing the veterans all the opportunities that are available to them. And you know, slowly and surely it starts to change their mind. It comes down to 
number one, someone to listen because we don't talk. Yes. So it's getting them to open up, getting them to talk about anything. It doesn't matter what it is, anything. And then listening and saying, you know, there's options out there. When I was the veteran treatment court, a guy who committed a couple of crimes, and we said, look, you got two options. You got an A, go through this program, have your charges expunged, or B, go to state prison for five years. And if they say, well, well wait, no, there's only two options here. Mm-hmm. And I think the veterans need to hear that. And they need to hear it from somebody like you who's been through that, someone like me. We've been there. This is what it's going to be. This is what it's going to take for you to get there. And you're going to have to do it. You're going to have to do the work. But veterans aren't afraid of doing the work. We will do the work, correct? Definitely. And I think a lot of times it's, um, you know, when you get out, you no longer have that leadership. You no longer have that point of contact. And so when you don't have that, you feel like, okay, maybe I have to figure this out on my own, but you don't. There are communities of veterans who want to help each other. There are resource centers throughout the state, throughout the country. That's their primary job. We will help you. But the veterans need to know that that's available to them. And they need to know that there is a new point of contact. There's a new sergeant, a new NCO to help guide them. Exactly. And one of the things you do that I really love, Gio, is you're not just doing working the veteran side. I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to show you what to do. But you go into the community and you go to the employers mm-hmm. and you make them aware of what these values is. How, how fulfilling is that part of the job? It's an amazing, fulfilling job. And, um, I, I love to help people, but I don't want to enable them either. So how can I help you help yourself? And if at the very minimum, it's helping clean up your resume, getting you interview ready, and then introducing you to an employer, now it's up to you. You have to sell yourself. Use the tools that I gave you and come out a winner. And so that part is amazing. When I get an email, Geo, I got the job. I got the effing job, man. I'm so happy. And that that's like, awesome. That's great. I had a small part to play, but sometimes it was just putting a boot in your rear to let you know that you can do it. And, and that that makes my world. Or when, when veterans open up to me about all their struggles, and after that chat, all of a sudden they're like, okay, now I know what I need to do. Sometimes they just got to get things off their chest. And if I can be a soundboard for somebody, that's what I'm here for. You know, it's such a fulfilling role to help our brothers and sisters because not a lot of people do it. And if I can be known as an individual that, hey, you know what, uh, go to Geo. And if Geo doesn't know it, he'll send you to someone who can. Exactly. That's that, That's what makes me happy. That's a very interesting statement because in the private sector, where I was for many, many years, managers, leaders, the ones who are going to succeed, become enablers and facilitators. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what you've been doing. Exactly. Well, we're just about out of time here, uh, Gio. What what last piece of advice do you want to leave with both veterans and the public at large? What's the most important message you want to get out there? For my brothers and sisters, we're here for you. There are lots of organizations in you know government, nonprofit. They want to help you. Give them an opportunity. And look, I know at times you might think, well, if this person's not a vet, they may not understand. And you're probably right. Maybe they won't understand, but it's not always their job to understand. Their job is to help you. 
And if you don't give them that opportunity to help you, you might have to struggle a little bit longer. So give people a chance to help you out. To everybody as a whole, see what you can do for your veteran community. How can you support them? It's great that you say thank you for your service. That's nice. Um, but how can you really help? You know, something I do personally, just for myself and my family, I do Veterans Thanksgiving. And this is year number five that we're doing in my home. Uh, we would do it in our garage just because that was the biggest place that we have. And I had veterans from when I served in different places that I worked at uh, from veterans here at Cal State Fullerton. Because you know what? It, it doesn't always have to be giving something. It could just be community building. And we don't see each other all the time. Sometimes it's that one time a year. We share drinks. We break bread and remind ourselves this is our community. So if people out there want to do something like that, even if something is, hey, do you want a hot meal? You know, bring the family. That means more. I mean, it means more to me than thank you for your service. Absolutely. And ladies and gentlemen, sometimes just showing up at an event. Veterans Day in Sacramento, California, we had the, Sac we had the California Memorial uh, to Vietnam. Just showing up, just going there, just mm -hmm. walking around, just putting your hand on the shoulder of a veteran who's about to break into tears. That matters. And 100%. it has a huge impact. So, Gio, how do people find you? How do they reach you at Fullerton or at your uh, nonprofit? How do they get a hold yeah. of you? So um, you can reach me in my email, gberdejo, B-E-R-D-E-J-O, at Fullerton.edu. I'm also on LinkedIn. Find me on Giovanni Berdejo. I guarantee you I'm the only one there. <laughs> I have a very unique last name. Uh, I'm always looking to meet new folks. If you want to help my veterans, great. Let me know how. If you want to learn more about the veteran community or, you know, maybe you have some questions, I'm more than happy to help out in any capacity especially if it's going to help you understand the veteran community. Uh, but yeah, please find me, please reach out. I'm happy to speak with anyone. Absolutely. That's amazing. Well, as I said, ladies and gentlemen, we're just about out of time. I want to thank Gio one more time on, on how he's giving back to the heroes that he is and that the heroes who have served in the military to achieve a rewarding and a fulfilling life. It's more than thank you for your service. Believe me. Now, you can see this show on my podcast, Life Altering Events, on my YouTube channel, which is also named Frank Zakari. It'll be posted on Parade Deck, and I will send links to Gio, and he will put it wherever it is he puts out his information. He's easy to find. He's somebody you need to know. Veteran, non-veteran, you need to know this man. If you use my YouTube channel, please subscribe. Let me leave you with this, as I do every week. None of us are in this alone. And the secret to walking on water is to know where the rocks are. And today, Gio has shown us where many of those rocks are. Join me again next week. We go into another life-altering event. Gio, thank you again. Thank you, Frank. Have a great day. You too. Mm -hmm.